All right, all right. Well, hey, the series is going to be called Wells, and today I want to talk about Wells of Revival. And um, I want to talk about what we're actually praying and believing for and what we're actually seeking when we talk about wells of revival. And that phrase has been thrown around the church, perhaps, or just the word revival. I don't know about you, but I went through a season where I'm like, seriously, I don't really know what revival means anymore. What are we actually praying for? Is it even scriptural or biblical? Well, let's take a look at that. And, and I want to look at what wells symbolize. I feel like God gave me word about that in scripture and um, take a look at what we have here at Grace Church and what kind of wells we're digging, so to speak, and, and what we're actually offering uh, to the family at Grace Church, but also to the community. And so it's a bit of a corporate word today. I know I often talk about you individually, and that's good, and there will be some individual application, but I really want to talk this morning a little more like corporately who we are and what we got to offer, uh, maybe our vision and mission um, and tie that into the wells that we're digging, so to speak. And then next Sunday, I've invited Pastor Jimmy Nyman from Lifeway to speak. He's going to talk mostly about prayer. That'll be a fun time. He's had a, a long journey in prayer, cultivating intercession in uh, the House of Prayer movement. And then I want to chat after that about some of the historic moves of God. How many love church history? Uh, good, more than I thought. Wow, good for you. I, I thought that made me weird. Um, <laughs> I don't feel so weird anymore. I feel right at home. But man, how about some tremendous moves of God that we've read about and, and some of us have experienced throughout the years. I'm going to look at some of, the, some of the stuff that happened and what we can learn from them. And I might include some of the crazy. In other words, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Does that phrase make sense? Like instead of throwing it all out, let's keep and restore and redig the wells that God was actually doing. The parts of the revivals that were God should not have been thrown out. But then humanism gets in there, and then people start to focus on, on man, and th some things have gotten weird. But every historical move of God has restored something to the church that we should not have let go. We should not have let that well close in. Does that make sense? Okay, so we want to talk about that. And then after that, I think we're up to the 28th now. I want Vince Sellers to come back. Some of you met him last Sunday. He's my missionary friend who travel, travels all over the place. And I want him to speak about what's actually happening in the body of Christ worldwide because he's been to so many places and... And he's seen so many miracles and healings. I cannot keep up with his stories. There's just so many. But I want that to give us a taste of what God is doing and wants to do in our day. I don't know about you, but I cannot do status quo Christianity. I cannot do status quo dead and dry American religion. I am sorry about that. I'm not sorry about that. I simply can't do it. I am bored out of my skull. <laughs> and so are many of you. You just don't want to admit it. But when the Holy Spirit is allowed to move and allowed to stir and keep us vibrant, and then it's a living word that we're interacting with, and it's demonstrated in miracles, signs, and wonders, because that's what we're, spo we're supposed to know the word and experience the word. Okay, I'm preaching Vince's message, so we'll let him do that on the 28th, and then we'll come back and talk about a few things. But Back to today's message. God laid it on my heart just a few months ago that uh, wells of revival are being uncapped and redug in this season right here at Grace Church and in you and in your lives, causing, uh, causing us to restore authentic gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's restoring faith and miracles and all that in places where the enemy sought to cap the wells and prevent what I would call abundant life. And that story is right in Genesis. I want to go there. We can glean some principles from the Old Testament story um, that we saw in, in, the, in the video here, Genesis 26. Now there was a famine in the land. 
This is a story of Abraham and then Isaac, of course. There was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So he had to go to enemy territory because the places where he was became desert-like. And he had to go find fresh water and to sustain his uh, tribes. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. And he sojourned into this land. I will be with you, and I'll bless you. And For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, and my statutes, and my laws. Somebody say, be blessed. Man, what a promise. Come on, somebody. That was amazing. Genesis 26, then I'm going to pick it up in 12. And Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Somebody say a hundredfold. That's a lot. And the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possession of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines... They envied him, became a little bit afraid of him. And now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug, the ones that Abraham had dug, in the days of Abraham his father. And, and Abimelech said to Isaac, now the Philistines said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. In other words, I don't want to dwell in the same place as you, becoming a greater nation than us. So Isaac departed from there, and he encamped in the valley of Gerar, and settled there, somewhere nearby. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. They all became really good well diggers. So I've been praying this week that God is going to bring a lot more, and he is, he's putting a shovel into your hands, and he's bringing a lot more. I've been amazed at all the people showing up at Grace Church. I think I see somebody new almost every weekend, even on snow weekends. Come on, somebody. This is fun. Anyway, God is putting shovels into our hands, and he's causing us to pause and say, wait a minute, we're, if we're not thriving, there's something for me to dig here. And even if it's in a desert land, even in times of famine, God is saying, stop and dig, and I'm going to cause springs of living water to come and flow no matter where you are. Remember the story of Abraham? He was in a desert time too, and God increased him. When he set out and left his land, he went across the desert. God said, I'm going to show you where to go, and he increased. His flocks increased, and it says, if you read back in scripture, there was a famine in that land. Same as here. How many know that we're not subject to the culture that we live in when we're in Christ Jesus? Come on, we have, we're actually, uh, we, we're, our citizenship is in heaven and he causes us to prosper in spite of where we are. You still out there? What do wells symbolize in scripture? First, spiritually speaking, springs of living water symbolize the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Living an abundant life in Christ Jesus, like cultivating an atmosphere of God's presence and something life-giving, encouragement in Jesus and all that. And Jesus himself, he calls himself living water at least two places in Scripture. The first place is in John 4, 7, I think it is, yes, yeah, 7. And, and I'll read this real quick because... Because in Christ Jesus, we're made to become something. And that's what I mean by digging wells, metaphorically. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well. He drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Somebody say, that's me. Jesus Christ in me. John 7 and 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Somebody say amen if you want that. Now this he said about the spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. But we've received that now, right? For as yet the spirit has not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But here we are now on the other side of the cross, right? Having received the Holy Spirit and God is saying, you are a fresh spring to someone, right? So are you drinking from that well? I want to I pause here and ask you, what kind of well are you digging? And what I mean by digging, I'm not promoting a works-based religion where, you know, you have to strive for something. Are you cultivating an atmosphere of God's presence or are you one that stops up wells? You know, are you giving in to bitterness and frustration? Are you giving in to anger, addictions and, and uh, hatred of, of some kind, addictions of, of, of all kinds? Because those things, come on, like the enemies of our soul, they stop the well of living water, right? And God is coming saying, dig up those places and get rid of those rocks and that muck and that dirt that's been thrown in there, right, so that the spring of living water can flow freely for yourself, for your family, and to this region called uh, Berks County and from, from Berks and beyond, right? It doesn't have to be just here, but to the nations of the world. Um, also, though, and so that's spiritually speaking, but also, though, the wells symbolize this. They symbolize what I call a thriving community. See, it wasn't just about great. Now we have some water. Now they were able, now that they have fresh water uh, flowing, they were able to feed all their tribes, right? They were able to, to sustain life, in other words, and then for their, for their flocks that they were expanding and all that. And so that's why they dug multiple wells, and then villages were, were built around there as they expanded, and then they were able to carry water. doesn't mean they all had to come to the well. They would carry water back to their villages and expand from there. Villages, uh, the the, the wells that we're digging, what it symbolizes is simply this, a very thriving community in the kingdom of God. And that's what we're, we're contending for and believing for. So these wells were guarded and protected um, as a life source. But then also these wells were attacked because they were the life source of the village. That's why when you see old pictures, typically going back to you know, towns of Bethlehem and things like that, right in the middle was always a well, right? Because people would come from all around and come to the well of living water, right? And get it, and then they would carry it out from there. Well, guess what the enemies would first attack 
When they came to take over a village or take over enemy territory, they would cut off the water. And even later on, when cities were built and they had water running into the cities, what they would do is siege the city and they would cut off the water supply. Because without water, and they couldn't live that long inside, the, even though the walls were as thick as the walls of Jericho, right? They, they couldn't survive anyway without water. And so they'd eventually come stumbling out going, I'd rather die at the hands of the enemy than you know, have no water to drink. Well, here, this is, uh, practically speaking, this is what the enemy likes to do to our souls, or what he's trying to do to our souls, right? And, 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 and instead of us then being that spring of living water that just flows freely, and when people around us, they sense the Holy Spirit, sometimes they sense something else, like fear and discouragement, or, you know, whatever else is in our aura, right? Whatever else that we're projecting. Uh, I know that you, maybe some of you don't like that, that word, but all of us actually emulate that which is within us and that which we're struggling with. And we don't like that. I don't like that. I'd rather keep that part hidden, right? Because if I'm having a bad day, I don't want you to know it, right? But to truly, Alicia knows. <laughs> She's like, you, go, you need some God time, right? And so, so I need to go and, and, and remind myself that, wait a minute, within me is springs of living water because of who Jesus said he is living inside of me. And, and when he bubbles up, right, it gets rid of all the muck and the mire. It gets some of those rocks out of there so that his spirit can flow freely in this place. You relating at all? We have some wells to uncap in our generation. And in this region, in this place called Grace Church, and, and, and Grace Church is called to be a well of life springing up in the desert, so to speak, and a source of living water to the region that produces abundant life. Jesus came that we have life and have life more abundantly. So Father God's calling us corporately, as well as you individually, but us corporately, he's calling us a well of living water in Christ Jesus that is, that is supposed to be a refreshing place for people to come and drink freely of the Spirit of Christ. Is that okay? Well, so what do a, what a wells of revival look like? And is, there, is revival even scriptural? Here, let's answer that. And it says it a few places, and you can read. But um, in Psalm 85, David says this, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? He actually prays for revival. He's actually talking to the Lord. He says, revive me. And that's, that's really a sign where it says, this area has gotten a little stopped up. This area, you know, in my life, Maybe I'm feeling a little discouraged, I'm feeling a little down, or the spirit isn't flowing so freely. Would you revive us, O oh Lord? And um, so, so here's a few ways. I just want to dive into a few ways today and launch this series by sharing some vision and mission that I believe um, God's helped us to define at Grace Church. And I'm going to call this the Wells of Grace Church because God is helping us uh, us all in unity to grab shovels and to cultivate an atmosphere where his presence flows freely. But it, I want to I I share what I believe it could look like, what true, what true sustainable revival can really look like. And so I pray for revival again, but now I believe I, I have a, a more full picture. If you just read a little bit of church history, you go, oh, wow, uh, we're praying for a while. Well, I think we're going to have to do a tent meeting, you know, because that's what it looked like, you know. Well, that's because they didn't have a church this big. If they had a church this big, guaranteed they would be using this church. But if you outgrow the church, we might put a tent out there. I don't know. You know, we might have to move somewhere. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. <laughs> I don't know. See, it doesn't mean that it has to look identical to practically necessarily. You know, they also used horse and buggies back then, and I'm not about to do that unless you, you know. 
you just see what I'm saying? We can get a little nutty by just looking back and saying, what well, has to look like that? No, it really doesn't. But the, the full ministry of Jesus Christ is still the same. It can, you know, our methods might be different, but the heart of Christ in, in reviving his people is still going to be the same in our day because his word does not change. And so when I look back, and revivals would sweep through various places, and that's how the Quakers got their name. Come on, somebody. They would sit and quake for literally hours. <laughs> I guess their hats fell off, too, because I don't know how you can quake. <laughs> but it's because the power of God would come on them corporately when they were in their meetings. The power of God would descend and show up in their meetings, and they would sit and shake under the power of God for literally hours on end. Hence, they called them the Quakers. If you're going to that church, you expect it to quake. <laughs> under the power of God. It was a legit move of God. Get this, almost everything then turns into a form of religion. And that's the shame of it because then instead of it being an authentic move of God, a hundred years later, they're still shaking and quaking when the Holy Spirit says, that isn't necessarily what I'm gonna do forever. But he did that. It doesn't mean that that was a bad thing, but he also doesn't need us to make religions out of things. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want you to know that when I'm praying for revival, I'm praying for the full ministry of Jesus Christ to be present, not just something that happened for a period of 10 years or even a period of 100 years. I'm talking about what's sustained revival. If God wants to flood through this place and, and, prevent some and, and, and produce some phenomenon for a while, that's okay. I'm very much open to that. I want to flow with the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to build a religion around a manifestation. Is that okay? I want to build a religion around what Scripture has to say, what true, revi true revival really looks like. Okay, okay, three, of you, three more of you join me in that last little rant. Good. Our vision here at Grace Church, it's going to look something like this. There's a little bit of wet cement. I'm going to talk more about this with the staff, and we have some wordsmiths on the staff like Nate who's going to help me hone this in. But it's going, to, it's going to look like something like this. We exist to share the transforming message of God's grace, that every generation, ethnicity, and culture can expect a miracle. Now, we might move those words around just a little bit, but I believe that in that paragraph that I just read, you can, you can pick up wells that are already dug here at Grace Church. Expect a miracle. And thank you. When I saw the picture, and I wasn't here, I wasn't here, but I saw a picture, and it never left my brain. I don't know why. I saw a picture. It used to say, expect a miracle uh, uh, up here. There was a sign before this new stage was built. It was the old stage, right, Nate? Am I getting that right? So many years ago. But there's still something in our culture that, that when you come to Grace Church, when you come to the family called Grace Church, by the way, Grace Church is people, just to make sure. <laughs> when the people get together called Grace Church, Right? There should be an expectation of the miracle working power of God. Amen? The other well that's already been dug is the multicultural and multi-ethnic, if you will, and multi-generational. We're not just about the young people, and we're not going to just do everything to please the old people. How about we do everything that we can? The life-giving message of Christ is literally for all generations. Grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, moms and dads, teenagers, young adults, Children, come on, children. The Hebrides revival, by the way, was mostly about kids. Man, the kids were prophesying, praying in tongues, singing in the Holy Spirit, laying hands on the sick. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids were experiencing the power of God. You got to read this stuff. So when you read this stuff, you just, uh, you just start weeping and go, Lord, do it again, do it again, do it again. That's what I pray. I don't know what you pray when you read church history. 
The dark ages? No, I don't pray, do it again. But when I read revivals, when I read revivals in church history, and so those wells have already been dug. Like all generations are here for this time in this season to expect a miracle from God. And the other well that's been dug for 40 years by Pastor Ray is we cannot deviate from the gospel of grace. It is the gospel of grace that actually transforms. It's not a legalistic gospel. It's not a gospel of condemnation. It's not a gospel of shame and guilt and condemnation. That actually doesn't set anybody free. It can alert you to sin in your life, but it doesn't have power to set you free. The love and the grace actually comes to you and says, you don't need to do that anymore. Be free in Jesus' mighty name. The gospel of grace will not be a well that we want capped here. Does that make sense? We got to keep that well springing forward so that the grace-based message can go out to, from Berks and beyond. Amen? Y'all okay with that? So it'll look something like that and it, uh, slightly different, but before it hits the, uh, our, our webpage or we put it out there on the wall. And then, and then our mission statement, and we prayed into this for a while too, and um, it's going to look something like this. This I'm pretty much set on. I, I'm not sure if it's wet cement, but it's, it's pretty much set on. It's going to look like this. We're here to encounter God our mission is that you would encounter God, experience freedom, find connection, and then change your world. That you would encounter God, experience freedom. Somebody say freedom. freedom. You would find connection with other people and then go and change your world. And I specifically meant your world. Let me dive into that a little deeper today because these are wells that we're actually digging. Wells of living water that when people come into you, the Grace Church family, they say, this is what I'm experiencing in the Lord, right? Does that make sense? Number one, encounter God. Um, Exodus 33, starting at 13, and see Moses has said, I'm not going to do this unless your presence goes with me. And I feel the same way. You could call me Moses when I say that. I'm like, I ain't doing this without the presence of God. And again, I would be bored out of my skull, and so would you. Because if the, if the manifest presence, I know that God is always with me. He doesn't actually leave me, ever forsake me. But when I say the presence of God, I'm talking about a manifestation of his presence, whereby it's sensed and it's felt. And you can see the outworking of that by people experiencing all kinds of encounters, right? And so Moses said the same thing. He's like, I'm not taking these, these, these people anywhere without your presence, Lord. That would be ridiculous. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Somebody say encounter. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. One of my favorite verses, I'll probably tell it another hundred times before I die, that's, that just talks about encounter. Revelation 3, 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation of Jesus Christ. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come into him and eat with him and he with me. Somebody says, say, encounter. Do you know who else knows God? The devil. That's not enough. So what if you know about God? And so what if you know about the word? Have you actually experienced God? The Christian life is supposed to be an actual encounter whereby you have felt him speaking directly to you. You have felt him molding you, shaping you, caring for you, prompting you, convicting you, transforming you, and you have dreams and visions and all these things. You go, God is interacting with me. God is, is prompting me and shaking me. He doesn't want me to stay the same. The Christian journey is supposed to be from encounter to encounter to encounter, not church service to church service to church service. Come on, somebody. Group to group. We're, we're a culture that is meeting to meeting to meeting. 
Instead of encounter to encounter to encounter. You can encounter God tomorrow morning, Monday morning, right before you go to work or even while you're at work. Maybe God will be you. But encounter to encounter. And that could be anywhere, anytime, any place. But especially when we get together with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're here to create a place where you, where you learn how to encounter God. And then we equip people along those lines. Amen. Number two, experiencing freedom. Now that may be slightly different. Uh, focus than existed before. I don't know, it might have, but, and I know there was messages about it, except I just didn't see it on the wall. So I'm going to assume <laughs> it wasn't on the website yet, but I'm going to assuming that some, some are showing up with shovels to dig that well. And, and there's going to be a cry in people's hearts that show up at Grace Church simply because they need freedom. It's one thing to say yes to Jesus Christ, but then it's another thing to journey then in the Lord and start to throw off all the shackles, right? And say the finished work of the cross is now doing its work and I am stepping out of addiction. I'm stepping away from the sin nature and I'm coming into the glorious life that he has for me, freedom. Somebody say freedom in Christ Jesus. Is it biblical? Of course. It's in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. We've heard this before. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Um, by the way, binding up the brokenhearted is actually healing all the, all the stuff inside, right? It's all, the, and, and by the way, the, when the Bible talks about heart, it often is referring to the mind as well, right? It's the inner part of you. It's binding up the brokenhearted. Come on, the mental illnesses are gonna actually be healed in this place of all kinds, anxieties and fears and worries of all kinds. When God binds up the brokenhearted, and takes them on a journey to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And then New Testament, Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Come on, let's pause right here and say Christianity is supposed to look like something. No, I, I know, I know, I know that we're in the world, but there's a verse that says we could be in the world, but not of the world, and we don't have to dabble and experience the same things that the world is experiencing. I know you're called to work alongside of them. Some of you are called to live with them, for goodness sake. <laughs> and when I say them, those that might still be bound by something. But here's the truth. God has given us strength, and the true grace-based messages is an empowering grace that actually allows us, empowers us to say no to all things worldly, of the worldly lust, and yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Christ, then whereby we have such a freedom about us so we can love these people but not do what they do. Come on, when did you see Jesus uh, becoming a prostitute to reach a prostitute? How ridiculous is that mindset? We, we can say that is an utterly ridiculous, but yet some of us do that. We go into the world, party with the world, and then we justify it by saying, yeah, but I'm reaching the world. Didn't Jesus hang out with sinners? Well, every time Jesus hung out with sinners, they got free. He didn't go there to become a tax collector like them. He didn't go there to become a prostitute. He didn't go there to join in. What, what they did, he went in there to set them free, but he loved them unconditionally. This is something we need to learn in our culture. It's almost like we leave the kingdom to go <laughs> and dabble, and then we come back to get free. Well, stay free, but go in to all the world and set the captives free. Amen, somebody? Freedom. Freedom, marked by freedom. That's a well that is being dug here at Grace Church, and we'll talk more about that as the year unfolds. And then it's finding authentic connection. Man, I want, when people come into the Grace Church family, I want them to say, I can find a friend here. 
I can find a brother. I can find a sister. Not all of you can be best friends with everybody, but all of you can be good friends with somebody. And all of you, oh, come on. I'm going to pause right now for emphasis. All of you have a little place in your heart for somebody new. Oh, but I have my peeps. I don't care. (laughs) You have room. See, what happens, it's a very weird, I know you can't be best friends with everyone, it's impossible, but you know what happens in families when you have your first kid, we're like, oh my goodness, it feels so complete, all of our time, all of our attention, then we're so sleep deprived, I can't imagine having another one. And then this kid grows up just a little bit, you know, just, just enough that makes you think, well, we could have two. I don't know, I don't know what that is. Alicia's like, I think we should have three. I went, oh, dear God, help me. (laughs) And when we had three, I went, I don't even know how we did this. And then Alicia's like, I think we're supposed to have a fourth. And I went, I'm done. I am done. I am so done. But I'm really, really glad. (laughs) I can't imagine our family without the fourth one. And we've told her that to her face. We said, we prayed a lot about you. (laughs) But now that you're here, we cannot imagine our family without you. She is like the life of the party. She's so silly. She's so fun. She's very reserved when she's in public. But at home, not so much. And she would, uh, she'd be blushing right now. She was talking about her. But, she's, but see, what happens is our hearts expand. And love increases. It doesn't get divided. Come on. So you've heard that story where parents go, oh, my goodness, have all the love being sown into each other and, and to our kids. But no, then God expands our hearts. And that's what, exactly what's going to happen at Grace Church. When some, some people come in, they go, oh, these people know each other for the last 20 years. So what? They have room in their hearts for me as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 12.5 says, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And I want that feel here. We want that feel here. God wants that, that feel like we belong to one another in friendship and in unity with one another, serving the Lord together, calling one another uh, upward into his righteousness. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, for as the body is one, though it is many members and all the members of that one body, though there are many, they're one body. So that also is the body of Christ. And so he calls us the body of Christ because he's made us uh, in a very real way to, to be one. I know that you're individual. This is, this, is, this, is, this is strange to preach this way again in American culture because we're very individual-minded, right? My freedom, my stuff, leave me alone kind of thing. But no, when we come into the, the kingdom of God, he says you belong to one another. And so it stretches us a bit, doesn't it? He says, wait a minute. So what it simply means is your time, maybe your stuff, maybe your finances, but especially your love and your heart is is for one another. The gifts that God has given you belong to other people, like for you to share with the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Okay, finding authentic connection. God's laying on some of your hearts right now as I'm talking to be a group leader, to to have people in your home and practice hospitality. uh, I should have asked Alicia before I got up here to preach, but we've seen so many people stepping forward to start groups this in this past half year. We've been we've been surprised, and I should have asked you the amount. Do you know the amount? No, but it's a lot, <laughs> and we're going to see more. And uh, some new groups are just launching. But see, there's there's a togetherness that's being cultivated, and God's calling some of you to simply open your home and open your heart, and 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 put a little bit of time aside so that people can find their people. Every person needs to find their people. Okay, and then it's changed your world. And I, and I worded this very carefully. Um, I've been in churches where it's like, we're gonna change the world. We're gonna change the universe. 
You know, we're going to change the stars as well while we're at it. No, I just, it was like, it, it sounds to me sometimes just a little, a little over the top. And, and it's like, really, I'm a globe changer. You know, like maybe, maybe you will. And maybe I will. I don't actually know. But what I do know for sure, for sure, is that in my sphere, the people that I actually know, the family, the friends, the coworkers, the places that I go, I am called to change my world. I'm called to change the places that I am, my sphere of authority and my sphere of influence. Does that make sense? And so when you go from this place, it doesn't sound so overwhelming. You're called to make an impact and life-giving change wherever you go. That's why I say change your world. And, and if you are called you know, overseas, well, then that's great too. Change, change that world as well because some of you are called to be missionaries and all that. But go out from this place and change your world. In Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And of course, the Great Commission is where we get that from. And then Acts 13, 49, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. Somebody say whole region. From this place, if you pause to think about it, we are up to about 900 people that call Grace Church their home. And what that means is they're giving or they're serving or they're joining a group of some kind. And what happens in our culture now and, and since COVID, and we might go to two services at some point. We're praying about that. Since COVID, though, not everyone shows up at one time. Lifeway was, was exactly the same right after COVID. They have three services, and they have 900 people on a weekend, but they have about 2,000 people that call Lifeway their church. If they all showed up, we would, ha- we would not know where to go with them. Same here. Like, we have a different 300 people every weekend. <laughs> Out of that 900 people that call Grace Church home, it's somewhere around 300, uh, including our kids, that show up. And that's okay. I'm not even, I'm not, is pastor upset about that? I'm actually not upset about that. That is actually our culture. That's why we live stream so that if you have to stay home, of course we want people to come. I, I like to meet people. I like to shake people's hands and give them a hug. Of course, I'm inviting people to come. And we might go to two services. People want to be around other people more and more and more. And that's wonderful. But if they can't, that's okay too. There's always someone at the cabin. There's always someone out skiing. There's always someone sick and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so there's a lot of grace for that. But what I'm saying, what are you, what are you actually saying, Pastor Vern? You're on a soapbox again. <laughs> what I'm saying, trying to say, is that we have a fairly large footprint here And if all of you, if 900 people that call Grace Church home or they're listening online, just decide to touch one person throughout the week, pray for someone, lay hands on someone, encourage someone, send them a scripture verse, just be kind, you you are impacting a good chunk of this region throughout the week. I just want you to stop and think about that. And, and it can get really overwhelming when, when we stand on the stage and say, you're supposed to be a world changer. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't. Just start with the person next to you, in front of you, the ones that you encounter and guarantee the Holy Spirit will work in you and through you to say, you see that person, encourage them. You see that person, pray for them. Man, time and time and time again, as I, as I would go to work, I was a production manager for years leading up to when I went on to ministry at Lifeway Church for 18 years in production. I started to pray, especially the last 10 years, uh, every morning going to work, like, who is it, Lord? And I would narrow it down to one person. And of course, the Lord would do more than that many times, but I would narrow it down to one person. Who do you want to touch today? Because it can get overwhelming to think, I have to pray for 60 people going into work. That's a little overwhelming. Come on, somebody. 
But sure enough, there was always that one person that would be highlighted. What can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? Can I, can I encourage you in any way? And that's what God wants to do. Change your world. Now, what is the call to action today? The call to action is this. Will you help us? Are you called here to Grace Church to help us dig these wells of revival? I believe that if these things are in place, that it causes what I call sustainable revival. Again, I'm okay with, and we're going to talk more about the moves of God that sweep through. And, pe- and people get saved, you know, by the hundreds and by the thousands and get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and I love all that. We're, I want to see more of that. But I, I, I want something that's sustainable as well. Does that make sense? Will you help us dig these wells? Will you help us protect these wells? Will you help us uncap some wells where it seems like stuff has gotten stifled, perhaps, in your life or in the lives of others or even here at Grace Church? Um, will, you, will you help keep them from getting stopped up by the enemy? Um, man, if I stop preaching spirit-filled messages, would you go, Pastor Vern, can we help you uncap that well, please? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We need to spur one, one another on to good works because what happens is the enemy comes in and, and, and tries to get us to just, you know, pull back. And maybe I'm afraid to go out and do the more or step outside my comfort zone or something like that. And would, you, would you, metaphorically speaking, would you in this season grab your shovel and say, I'm going to help dig. And that's really what, and, it, and it's, it's, it's giving, it's serving, it's joining, it's participating, and all those, all those words that I really don't have time to spell out right now. There's, there's ways to give, of course. There's ways to, to get involved in people's lives if you want to. There's, there's groups of all kinds already being launched, and there's room for more groups. And, and of course, there's just ways to serve on Sundays and outside of Sunday mornings. Actually, we have other ways to serve, too. If you can't serve on a Sunday, um, just talk to us. We can point you towards some of those. But there's a way for you to help us dig this place and create an atmosphere of encounter so that, so that we're known in the region for those things. And people go, wow, what's happening at Grace Church? It would mirror these things. And there's room for other things, too. Whatever's in the Word, the full ministry of Jesus Christ, be un- unpacked in this place. Hey, would you stand with me today? before we close out the service I want to make sure that everyone here and in the sound of my voice those of you watching online but in the audience today I want to make sure that you know Jesus Christ because without him there is no living water flowing through us we are not dwelling in the spring of living water therefore what people experience through us will not be life-giving, right? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Have you come to Jesus? Have you asked him to be your Lord and your Savior and to fill you with his precious Holy Spirit? And if not, that's how it starts. Every eye closed for just a moment. Again, we do this, that you just have a private moment with you as you meditate on the Lord and where you're at with him and in him. If that's you today and say, I really need to launch this journey with Jesus Christ and really declare him Lord, I don't know that I've ever done that. Would you raise your hand so we can pray with you today before we go further in this service? 
Raise your hand high so we can see you. We're going to pray for you. I think I see one. Bless you, brother. Anybody else? If you're online, say, I need Jesus. Type it in there. I'm going to pray with you on Facebook Live or YouTube. Let's all pray together. Say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of all my sins. And I turn to you. I receive your love and forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. With the living water that heals and it restores and transforms. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's celebrate those that said yes to Jesus today. If you just prayed that prayer, I would love for you to take your uh, smartphone, if you have it, and, and scan that QR code in front of you and fill out the Connect card. Let us know how we can journey with you in your new walk in the Lord. And hey, sign up for baptism on the way out. Stop by what we call the Next Step Station and sign up for uh, baptism. If you haven't been baptized, we would love that. Hey, I want to invite prayer teams to come up front every Sunday. What we like to do is pray for you, contend with you, and speak words of life over you. The prayer teams will make their way up front here. Um, some of them called off because of the snow and ice, but we have others that are filling in, and we are going to stay uh, however long it takes to pray for you and with you for what is going on in your life. Well, hey, this is a prayer of benediction. I declare that you would go in the strength of the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Be blessed and highly favored and go in peace. I love you guys like crazy. Have an awesome week. Amen. Stay safe out there.